I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. It's been a while since you've heard me. I said in the last show that I was going to try to be a bit more frequent with the updates. Uh, Motivation has been hard, but I thought, you know what? There is so much going on in the boxing world right now. I mean, we've got Canelo Alvarez losing in a big upset to Dimitri Bivol that Right now, if I didn't do a podcast within a week of that fight happening, that would be incredibly stupid. Almost as stupid as getting on a flight, drunk off your ass, and antagonizing Mike Tyson. Look, I don't claim to know a lot about alcoholism, but if you think that one of the best things to do on a flight instead of, you know, maybe watching an in-flight movie or just, you know, catching some shut-eye or doing anything aside from getting drunk and antagonizing a guy that used to call one of the most dangerous men on the planet, if not the most dangerous man on the planet, if you think that's a good idea, you need some freaking rehab. Or you need some better friends to guide you and say, you know what? I don't think this is a good idea, Melvin. Let, let, let's back off. Let's, you know, just just say hi to Mike. Just wave. That's all you need to do. But no. Uh, a few weeks ago, at the end of April, Mike Tyson was involved in a an altercation, as some might call it, uh, aboard a JetBlue flight. Uh, the passenger behind Mike was apparently antagonizing him, kicking his seat, you know, trying to get a reaction out of him. And finally, Tyson had enough and punched the guy. And I've seen the video. I'm sure lots of you have as well. The guy's got some scrapes on him, a little bit of blood. And I, I saw it and I'm just kind of like, that. you're lucky that's all you got. You're lucky that's all you got. But of course, uh, this guy is a bit of an idiot because uh, he's got a lengthy criminal record. And unfortunately, I think it would be even lengthier, but you can't arrest people for stupidity like you could in this case. Local 10's Christina Vasquez live down in Miami Beach with the new details for us today. Christina. Records show he has a long criminal record. First off, is, is that the best you could do? Records show that he has a long record. Really? I'm sorry, I'm reminded of when Lennox Lewis was asked to describe volume punching and he just replied, well, he throws punches in volume. It's like, come on, really? I expect better of you, of boxers and reporters. TMZ says the man taunting boxing legend Mike Tyson in this video is Melvin Townsend III. Melvin Townsend III. If your name is Melvin, you should not be antagonizing anybody, all right? It, look, I don't, I'm not going to feel intimidated by somebody named Melvin, okay? It, it's just, oh, God, like, Jesus Christ, your name's Melvin, and you think, okay, I'm going to intimidate Mike Tyson. I'm going to harass him. That, 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 that's going to be a smart thing to do. Second of all, Melvin Townsend III, not Melvin Townsend Jr., Melvin Townsend III, indicating that, I don't know, I'm getting the vibes of, like, rich white boy who, you know, probably has a lot of friends mainly because he's got a lot of money. That, that, that's just my guess. I may be completely mistaken, but... Let's continue. And a review of Florida Department of Corrections data shows the Punta Gorda, Florida resident was released from prison two years ago. Records show he has served time for grand theft and the fraudulent use of personal identification. Priors include trafficking and stolen property and possession of a controlled substance. 
So you can tell this guy has a history of telling his friends, dudes, don't worry, just chill. My dad's lawyer will get me out of this. I, I don't know about you guys, but he'll get me out of this, okay? Just, just chill, God. You'd have to be drunk or stupid to just say anything other than hi to Mike Tyson. I mean, why in the world would you want to antagonize him? I mean, the way I see it is if you, if you mess with the bull, you get the horn. And this man that they interviewed, who's just like, it's just a man on the street that they just want to get his opinion. But that's all you need to do. Just say, hi or hello, Mr. Tyson. Good to see you. Like, if I'm on an airplane and I'm getting on and I see, oh, my God, that's Mike Tyson in first class. I might try to play cool. Just give, like, a nod. Like, hey, Mike, how's it going? Or I'm going to freak out and be like, oh, my God, Mike Tyson. Hey, uh, I, I do this really bad podcast. And, and, and could, could you just, you know, say, you know, this is Mike Tyson. You're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. Mike, are, are you going to look my way? Oh, okay, the stewardess is telling me I got to sit down now. Bye, Mike. It, it was so nice talking to you. And then I'm going to tell people that, you know, me and Mike Tyson. Oh, yeah, we're close. He, he's he's going to see if he can come on the podcast. Maybe if he can free up his schedule. Yeah, you know, Mike's a busy guy. I totally understand if he can't, he won't. But it's what the guy said at the end. You know, if you mess with the bull, you're going to get the horns. One of the favorite shows of not just me, but of my family when we were, when I was younger anyway, I'm sure they were too, but um, we loved that 70s show, especially the early years. The early seasons of that show were great. Well, See, my dad was kind of like Red Foreman, and I'm just going to leave it at that. But there was one line that Kitty Foreman gave, and, you know, Kitty kind of reminded uh, me and my sisters of uh, our mom. But there was one line that Kitty once said, and it resonated with my mom, and she has repeated it time and time again throughout the years. How many times have I told you don't poke the bear? Don't poke the bear! Yeah, don't poke the bear, don't antagonize Mike Tyson, and you know what? I'll play devil's advocate. Mike, don't punch drunk morons. You know, just just call for a stewardess, say, you know what? This person is harassing me. He's, you know, like, just not leaving me alone. I just want to be left alone. Can, can you please move him to another seat? Because, you know, he, he... See, I'm not even doing this justice. I should break out my Mike Tyson impression. But I'm very worried that if I do this, I'm going to offend my friend Mike and he won't come on the podcast. Because he told me in the path that, you know, Andrew, you actually do a decent Mike Tyson impression. But unfortunately, there are people who have become accustomed to making fun of the way I speak. And, you know, I just don't want to... I don't want to get so antagonized by your impression that I have to, you know, unleash my rage, my primal Mike Tyson rage, you know, like I back in the 1990s. And that's a problem when I start that impression. I can't stop. I, I once broke it out on an episode of The Basement Vagrants, like totally unplanned and everything. And like they were just kind of stunned at how good it was. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Mike Tyson is very lucky because according to the uh, DA, he will not face criminal charges. The San, uh, the San Mateo County District, District Attorney said yesterday that uh, because of, quote, the conduct of the victim leading up to the incident, the interaction between Mr. Tyson and the victim, as well as the request of both the victim and Mr. Tyson, no charges will be filed against him. So Mike got off easy. The jackass who antagonized him got off uh, easier than he deserved, I think. 
But, uh, you know, don't poke the bear. As my mother and as Kitty Foreman would say, don't poke the bear. Moving on. Now, if you enjoyed the Mike Tyson impression that I did, and I enjoy it, but uh, you're, you're probably thinking that that's just as good, if not better, than my uh, legendary impression of promoter and former boxer Oscar De La Hoya. And you're probably thinking, well, Andrew hasn't broken out that impression in a while. I will later on in the episode, but I'm not going to for this story, because this is serious. This is no laughing matter. Oscar De La Hoya has been uh, accused... He's not, not charged. He is accused of sexually assaulting a woman twice in 2020. This is from ESPN. A woman who was a former employee of Casa Mexico alleges in the filing that De La Hoya sexually harassed and sexually assaulted her on two separate occasions. The lawsuit is a counter-complaint filed in Los Angeles Superior Court against Casa Mexico, company executives Michael Gooch and Robert Crossan, DV Capital Partners, and De La Hoya. Okay, I, I gotta be, I'm gonna, I try to be serious, but Jesus Christ, your name is Gooch and you're named in a sexual harass, or sexual assault case. It's like, wow. God, God help me if the, if the judge in this case is, his last name is Cox. Okay, that's all I'm gonna say. Let's, let's continue. As a survivor of this abuse, she wants others to know this behavior is unacceptable and it doesn't matter who you are, the woman's attorney, Sylvia Torres Guillen, said in a statement. We will seek justice on her behalf. According to the filing, Casa Mexico organized a company event in Mexico to visit the brand's distillery in March of 2020. The former employee alleges that on the first night there, she awoke to De La Hoya knocking on her hotel room door. When she opened the door, she saw De La Hoya with his pants down around his ankles. She claimed he forced his way into her room and got into her bed. Per the suit, the woman pushed him out of her bed and walked him back to his room. The next morning, when De La Hoya failed to show up for a scheduled meeting to tour the distillery, the woman claims she went to his room to wake him and alleges De La Hoya pulled her into his bed and sexually assaulted her. Okay, now, I am all for... Justice, I, you know, please don't be like, oh, like like I say, I got to be very sensitive with this. And I probably didn't do myself any favors laughing at the surname of one of the co-defendants in this case. However, I want to hear De La Hoya's side of this story. If he's got proof that says, you know what, I, here's evidence that this did not happen. Here are text messages. Here, here's a mon, you know, a monumental amount of evidence that shows that this did not happen. It did not occur. Great. I want to see that. And if it does, I'm going to say, hey, here it is. And I'll say, well, it's kind of clear that De La Hoya did not do this. But I really hope that he does not go to the, uh, the, the uh, I'm going to settle out of court route and just kind of bury it. I really hope we don't go that way, okay? Like I said, I'm trying. I almost broke out the impression just a few moments ago, as you may have heard. You may have heard something, but uh, yeah. Now, um, De La Hoya, obviously, the the news of this reached him, and uh, he responded with a statement. And by the way, I'm not doing the impression for the statement either. Quote. With the 24-hour news cycle, we all find ourselves in, more often than not, malicious and unjust accusations are interpreted as truth without the evidence to support their erroneous claims. I am confident in my legal team 
and that they will resolve this matter and prove my innocence. Great. I love that. I want, if this is going to go to court, let it go to court. Because I think it is very important that if people have committed sexual assault, that they not get away with it. I also think it's important that if people make up claims, that they not be allowed to get away with it. If this is a woman trying to extort money from De La Hoya, I hope that they expose her. Okay, I want to hear both sides of the case. That's how the law is supposed to work. Okay, you argue your case and the defense argues their case. And then you have to determine what's the truth and what's not. Okay, it's not just, well, I heard this, therefore, this is what happened. Okay, okay, moving on. Now, in the last episode, I spoke about uh, Errol Spence versus Jordanis Ugas and. I believe I said that I was picking Spence to win. I said I'd be a bit shocked if he didn't. He did win. He won quite convincingly. He stopped Ugas in the 10th round on the advice of the ringside physician. If I believe, if, I, if I'm remembering this correctly, sorry, not if I believe, um, but if I'm remembering correctly, uh, Spence broke Ugas's orbital bone. And that, like, credit to Ugas is like, he wanted the fight to continue. Like, he wanted to, fight all 12 rounds but you could just tell that he was being outclassed there was one moment where um you kind of thought oh my gosh like Ugas is about to turn around because Spence got kind of distracted there was some sort of problem with his mouthpiece and instead of like allowing the referee to call a halt to the action Ugas just goes after him and it almost looked like he was going to knock Spence down but for whatever reason Ugas didn't follow up either way Spence uh did not let this deter him for very long. He came back into the fight and, like I said, stopped Uga's 10th round. And now all anybody wants to see is a fight between him and Terrence Crawford. It's all I want to see. I think if there is one fight that could be made right now, certainly in the welterweight division, Crawford versus Spence. Crawford's got the WBO belt. Errol Spence has got the WBC, the IBF, the WBA. It's kind of like, wow, you know, back in the old days, I used to be called the undisputed champion. But we all know that everybody loves sanctioning bodies here, right? But let's get the fight made. As I keep bringing up, Errol Spence is uh, 32 years old. It's, it's not like he's a uh, spring chicken or any by any means, but he's not he's not old or anything. And he's not shown a lot of wear and tear on his body. Uh, Terrence Crawford, 34 years old. But, you know, my problem is, and I was just thinking about this the other night on the bus ride home, it's kind of like, by the time he was 25, Sugar Ray Leonard was a global celebrity. And he had beaten Thomas Hearns, Wilfred Benitez, Roberto Duran. It's like he had already kind of established himself. And these guys certainly have established themselves as the best welterweights on the planet, but... At the same time, it's like, come on, like, why are you going so slowly? Let's have some urgency, if you please. I don't know. And Crawford says that he wants to make that fight. He will be shocked if it doesn't get made in 2022. I don't want to hear anything towards the end about, uh, or the end of the year, rather, about how, oh, we're probably going to get the fight made for April or May of 2023. It's like, no, no. Let's get it made for November of 2022 if we can, please. I really want that fight. 
as you can tell. And look, there are a lot of people who want it as well. It's a real pick and fight because they both look outstanding. And you get the feeling that if these two were to fight, they'd bring out the best in each other. And it could be a welterweight classic. It's what we'd want it to be. Like This is the thing, though. And I, I wrote about this several years ago. Like we, we've had super fights where the buildup is huge, but then the final result is like, oh, oh, come on, really? Look at uh, Lewis versus Holyfield the first time. Whitaker versus Chavez. De La Hoya versus Trinidad. It's kind of like, you know, such big fights. and But then at the end, it's like, ah, oh, that wasn't quite what we want. I mean, in the case of Lennox Lewis, you can't really fault him because he dominated. It's just the judging took it all away. Same thing with Whitaker and Chavez. And, you know, like with uh, De La Hoya and Trinidad, it showed that De La Hoya couldn't close the show and maybe Trinidad wasn't as skilled as everybody thought he was. But either way, I really want that fight to get made. Anyway, I think a lot of you are just saying, okay, Andrew, we get it. We, we, we know you want the fight made. Can't you like break out that De La Hoya impression that you, were, that you said you were going to? Okay, fine. Moving on. I'll be honest. Um, a, a part of the reason why I've been a bit hesitant, hesitant hmm, to do the podcast is because sometimes I fall, find myself not getting as excited about boxing as I used to years ago. Like in 2013-14, I used to get so excited about watching a fight that I would dream about it. I did that for, of all fights, Mayweather versus Canelo. And you have to remember, that was back in, what, 2013? That was the first time that Canelo had lost. The most recent time was just this past Saturday against Dimitri Bivol. Uh, Bivol, the WBC light heavyweight champion was uh, facing the biggest challenge of his career, name-wise, against Canelo, who, for the second time, was moving up to light heavyweight to try to win a title there. The last time he did that was uh, back in 2019 against Sergei Kovalev. And I kind of thought that's kind of a big test for um, Canelo. Because, I mean, Kovalev was on the downslope, but at the same time, still a dangerous guy at light heavyweight. And... I think I actually had him winning that fight at that point by the time the fight was stopped. I think I had him ahead by a round or two. But you could also tell that like he was getting tired. And I think the one thing that actually was a disadvantage to Kovalev was he took the fight too soon after defeating Anthony Yard, which was another difficult fight for him. I think that fight was at the end of August and... He had the Canelo fight early November. I'm not remembering all the dates correctly, but I just thought, you know, it's too early for you to have another fight already. But um, I think he admitted as much later. But Dimitri Bivol, I don't know. There's something about this guy. I I heard that he's Russian, and I was kind of like, oh, God, I I don't know if I want to root for this guy or not. That's funny. I hate Russia. But the thing was, I don't know. There's something about Russians. It's very hard to get a read on them. And I mean this about anybody, not just Russians, but anybody who grew up under the Soviet bloc. Okay. It's like people from East Germany. It's, you know, West Germans are nice. East Germans always kind of seem so joyless. And like, basically, like anybody who grew up under the Soviet bloc. Okay. It's like, 
I was originally going to say this about Europeans, but it's like, well, no, I, I like the English. I like the Irish. The Scots are awesome. Uh, Italians are so much fun and awesome, and they've got such great food and wine. But it's like, oh, gee, it's like Russians, they, they, they just seem so joyless. So, like, yes, it is my birthday. Happy birthday to me. I now go to the fields for 18 hours. He's good day. It's like they they, they, just, they just seem so dull, and but it's hard to get a read on them. And the more I was seeing of this Bebo, I was kind of like, huh. You know, it's like he's held a, uh, and it's, sorry, it was the WBA uh, light heavyweight title, not the WBC. But he's held this uh, light heavyweight title since 2017. And I also thought, well, the last time he scored a knockout, though, was 2018. He knocked out uh, Sullivan Barrera in the 12th round. But ever since then, like, he's been, you know, just decision, decision, decision. And I thought, hmm, this is a solid, this is a solid light heavyweight, you know, sort of a boxing genius. He's had only 20 fights up to this point. Uh, This is including his defeat of Canelo. But prior to that, 19 fights. And I'm just like, is like maybe he's doing this for a reason like maybe he's like just building up he's got the experience of going 12 rounds because you know you notice that with some fighters it's like you know they haven't gone 12 rounds before and when they do it's really hard for them so i don't know but he just seemed to control canelo a lot easier than i've seen other fighters do in the past and that's the thing when was the last time you saw somebody actually control canelo Okay, this is not like uh, uh, fights against Golovkin or Lara, fights which I thought that he lost. I thought he lost both Golovkin fights. I thought he lost the fight with Lara. But um, it's like when you see somebody land on Canelo, he never seemed to get discouraged. I could see it this time against Bivol because at one point they kind of got tangled and Canelo was getting so frustrated with Bevo leaning on him that he just like lifts him up and it looks like he's going to perform a suplex or something. It's like, oh my God, he's lifting him off the canvas and he's going to flip him over himself. This is nuts. And uh, it wasn't the case, but you could certainly sense the frustration in him. And it's like, oh God. Oh God, you know, like you could, and I was working this past Saturday night. So I wasn't even sneaking off the floor to follow the fight round by round. There was too much to do. We're understaffed. And so it's like, okay, screw it. I've got to, you know, focus on the work. And on the train ride home, it's like, oh yeah, well, maybe I'll see how the fight did. Did Canelo win? Or I got, I had my upset sense was tingling a bit, but I thought it's just, you know, it's not, uh, it's not strong enough to warrant, uh, you know, shirking my responsibilities at work. And so I see Dimitri Bivol upsets Canelo in 12-round shocking decisions. Like, whoa. And so I was able to watch the fight when I got home, and it's like, wow. He he did it. I thought he controlled the fight eight rounds to four. But what shocked me were the judges' scorecards. We go to the judges' scorecards. Tim Cheatham. Steve Weisfeld all score this bout identically. 115 to 113 for your winner by unanimous decision. He's still undefeated and still the WWE Heavyweight Champion of the World, 
was his speed, his power, his movements, and his discipline, most and foremost. I felt like he did so well tonight that he surpassed so many people's expectations. He should be proud of his performance, and also Canelo should be proud of himself as well. Both jobs, great guys. If I had been watching that fight live, and I hear all three judges score 115 to 113, I would have literally been on the edge of my seat because I would be thinking, oh God, they're going to take this away from Bevel. We've seen it happen many times. Close fights or fights that certainly weren't that close going to Canelo. Hell, one of the judges scored his fight against Floyd Mayweather, which at best you could give him two rounds. One judge had that scored a draw. Okay, now whether it's the influence of uh, a certain uh, former promoter and uh, current litigant in a uh, unjustified uh, and uh, unwarranted <laughs> uh, suit, we're going to get to him later, don't worry. Uh, whether it was due to the influence of him, whether it's just judges' incompetence, whether it's you know star power being an advantage, I don't know. But again, I had him losing the Laura fight. Close fight, but I had Laura ahead by one or two rounds. I had him losing both of the Golovkin fights. Okay? And I thought, oh God, are they going to do it here? Are they going to be like, well, you know, who cares about Dimitri Bivol? I mean, he doesn't bring in the crowds. Canelo's good for boxing. You know, he, he needs this victory. It's like, no. Thankfully, they uh, they didn't score for Canelo. They scored it for Bivol. But 115 to 113? If Bevel did not win that 12th round, the fight would have been scored a draw on the judges' scorecards. That And that is just like, that would have been the gravest, the, 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 not not the greatest, but you know what I mean. That would have been a great injustice to Bevel. Because, like, Canelo can say that he thought he won the fight, but come on, he did not win that fight. And I, I actually heard this uh, afterwards, but apparently Canelo was talking about, talking about fighting Yusek. Alexander Usyk, he was talking about fighting him. It's like, why are you overlooking the guy who's in front of you already thinking about future fights against a guy who's the heavyweight champion? I mean, like, why are you doing that? This was like almost 10 years ago, but we are getting to the 10-year anniversary of Josecito Lopez versus Victor Ortiz. And some of you might forget, but in the lead-up to that fight, De La Hoya, who was Ortiz's promoter at the time, De La Hoya was always, oh, sorry, already talking about how Ortiz's next fight was going to be against Canelo. And I just thought, why are you having your guy, you know, get ready for a fight when he hasn't even won this one yet? Why are you planning what's next for him? Because you don't know how that's uh, going to play out. And what happened? Ortiz got his jaw broke, and they stopped the fight, and you ended up with uh, Lopez fighting Canelo, which was a grave mismatch. But uh, either way, congratulations to Dimitri Bivol. Um, what's next for Canelo? Well, obviously he said that um, he felt that he won the fight. Afterwards, he said that he was going to go golfing on Sunday. But a certain former promoter reached out to Canelo Alvarez on Twitter, of all places. Uh, see, well, De, La, De La Hoya has unfortunately blocked me twice on Twitter. He's blocked me under 
the Boxing for Free account, he blocked me under my normal Schweitzerman account. Now, I can't fathom why he would have blocked Boxing for Free. We are a respected, you know, uh, we're a respected organization, are we not? We're a respectable podcast, right? Anyway, now, it might have had to do with the fact that I compared him once to Dark Helmet from Spaceballs. I don't know. But De La Hoya blocked, blocked me on the Schweitzerman account for very petty reasons. And De La Hoya is a petty guy. Honestly, I went to high school with girls who were less petty than him. But, uh, you know, he was talking about, uh, you know, Canelo can um, afford the best beef in all of Mexico. And I just told De La Hoya, like, you should have him buy Alberta beef. You know, it's much better. And there's no clenbuterol in the meat. And he blocked me for that. It's like, I'm just trying to help your fighter, Oscar. And I'm also trying to promote Alberta beef with it, which is not just the finest in the country, but the finest in the whole world. Okay. But uh, anyway, on May 8th, less than 24 hours after his loss, or Oscar De La Hoya reached out to Canelo on Twitter. Quote, uh, Canelo, it isn't too late yet to switch back to the best uh, promoter. And that was all he said. Now, De La Hoya has unfortunately, he's realized the power of Twitter. Uh, and now he can turn that into his own little echo chamber where he can hear from whoever he wants to hear. So he's made sure that um, only the people that he mentions in the tweet can reply to his tweets, which is fine. He only wants to hear from Canelo. Of course, he doesn't realize that there are lots of people who can reply via quote tweet, but we're not going to get into that. Oscar, I don't think Canelo's going to go back to you. You know, I, I, I think much like your plans for a uh, comeback, which were thankfully stopped by COVID-19, it ain't just going it's just not going to happen. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sure that you two would love when I don't know well, actually no just just you I'm sure that you would love to get Canelo back because you know he's the biggest star in the sport right now and you know you want that you want to make money off of him but I just don't see it happening build up the other fighters that you've got you you can do it like Del Hoya he is a good promoter I mean obviously he's full of crap a lot of times but what promoter isn't um either way uh I think that it's just not going to happen. De La Hoya, don't be so petty. And please, unblock me. And tell you what, Elon Musk, if you're listening to this by any chance, you own Twitter now, which, I, I don't know, I think that's a bad thing. I don't know, I, I keep hearing people explain to me that it's a bad thing, but they can't explain why it's a bad thing. Anyway, Elon Musk, if you are listening, like, just reprogram Twitter so that De La Hoya can't block me anymore, Okay. Or at least so that I can read his tweets. I don't care if I can't reply, but give me the power to read his tweets and do like the quote tweet thing. So that way I can just kind of comment on all his pettiness. Oh boy, this was a lot of fun. You know what? I hope there is more fun in the next uh, week or so of boxing because I would love to do another podcast. Uh, Cleo Clemens, a, a longtime listener and friend of the show, uh, commented that it was good to hear me again. And you know what? Doing this right now, it does feel pretty good. And you know what? This is not taking a lot of time out of my day. So I, I think it's important to find the energy, find the time, and find the motivation. And hopefully I can do this again shortly. 
Anyway, that's all I have for you for this episode. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us online at www.boxingforfree.com. That's boxing, the number four, free.com. Twitter.com slash boxing for free. Be like Arislandi Lara, Robert Guerrero, Berman Stavern, Miller Adzizic, Adonis Stevenson, Glenn Johnson. Wow, that's a lot of famous boxers and hundreds of others. And follow us on Twitter. Go to youtube.com slash boxing for free and like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash boxing for free page. You can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, give us a review and let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. How many times have I told you don't poke the bear? Don't poke the bear!